Hello and welcome back to the Summer of Jordan podcast. I am your host, Danny Lanigan, um, on your weekly podcast um, that we will talk to Jordan Robles. I call Jordan the face of the game, travels the world, playing wiffle ball, um, as they say, living the dream, as cliche as that is. But uh, he, he's probably the guy in wiffle ball that is doing that the most right now. Um, Jordan joins us now. Jordan, how are you? Pretty good. Summer vacation is great. Can't complain. Good times. Summer vacation for you means a lot of wiffle ball. Uh, summer vacation for me means a lot of walking on golf courses. And when I'm not doing that, I have my feet in the sand. But as long as you're enjoying it, it's all that matters. I'm kind of a little envious of you, but uh, you're a little younger than me anyway. <laughs> yeah. Got uh, no wife, no kids. Looking to keep it that way. And no uh, bad back, knees, uh, shoulder, elbow, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I do have an announcement to make. Um, we were recently, due to the success of the show, and our many loyal listeners picked up from um, from the National Wiffle uh, podcast platform to the um, Wiffle, what is it, Wiffle Now? They do the yeah, Wiffle, Holy Yeah, commute. I think it's like the Holy, same thing. Holy yeah. Commutes, yeah, Holy Commutes. Yeah. You know, they were thrilled to sign on to us. Um and they'll be the ones that will also be putting this podcast out there. But much thanks to Jordan for being the gracious guest every week. And um, once again, our listeners, um, and appreciate all the feedback for that. So, Jordan, we didn't do a podcast last week. Um, one of the things that I, I kind of missed out on is the fact that the MW, I'm sorry, MLW um, kind of puts their stuff out a little bit later. And at first I looked at this as like, a, hey, well, we can't talk about because we talked about results, but we can talk experiences. And you've had two pretty awesome experiences in the last couple of weeks um, with MLW. The first one being the All-Star Game. Talk to us first about that. Yeah, so it, like, there's so many people in MLW that I haven't gotten a chance to meet before. So it was awesome kind of meeting everybody like Jordan Curdy, Trevor Bonham, um, and, and just playing against guys too, like Ryan Cratch. I hope we said his last name right. Uh, playing alongside Jimmy Norp, Cheatham, Daniel Schultz, like the best guys from the NL. It was a, it was a great experience. And what shocks me too is how many people are, like, there's always kids at the Meadows, no matter what series is getting played. But for the All-Star game, there's a bit more. Um, there's like a group of kids in the bleachers on the outfield, like hype, asking for autographs. It's, it blows my mind the following that MLW has. And I think they've always had this. So like, they're so used to it in a way. They don't realize where we've come from, you know, like genuinely no one cares about our champions or our top players. But you go to MLW and it's like you're truly a celebrity. It's mind blowing. It's crazy. And and is that do you think it's a regional thing? Do you think that if they popped up uh, at a field in, you know, say Staten Island, New York, they would have kids from that area that would come in and, you know, be fans of the, the, yeah. the stars of the game? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I was at the MAW Pittsburgh tournament, I was checking, I was buying some ice cream at my hotel lobby. I want to say at 1130 at night. So I woke up to the, uh, the cashier and there's a kid in front of me, like kind of giving me like weird looks. And then he just asked me, he's like, you play for the Mallards, right? I was like, uh, yeah. He was like, yo, that's my team. So like, here you are at Pittsburgh, 1130 at night and I'm getting noticed for MLW. Like the following MLW has is truly unbelievable. It's, it's crazy. That is. It's absolutely mind blowing, and I'm not yeah. sure if I'd, I'm not sure if I'd enjoy that to be honest. With <laughs> but um, and the All Star Game was where I was in Brighton, Michigan, the Meadows, and the classic uh, MLW field. Oh, that is that their their classic field? Yeah, home base. 
usually all like the normal regular series games are played at the Meadows in Brighton, Michigan. Um, only time you play elsewhere is if you're at a destination field. Like I know in Vermont at the Travis Roy Fields, they're going to have a series there. We played in Oklahoma and then they played at the Toledo Mud Hen Stadium in June, which was unbelievable. It looked awesome. So they, do they have like, does every team play at these pop-up events or just select teams? Just select teams. But the way it works out, just about every team this year got a chance to play at a destination series. Or if they didn't this year, then last year they did. Um, I know last year the Eagles and the Wildcats were at the Oklahoma series. Um, Predators Wildcats were at the Toledo Mudhens. The Diamondbacks Cobras are playing in Vermont. And the Mallards Gators, we just played in Oklahoma. So, and the thing is, like, it's only going to get bigger. You know, there's only going to be more spots um, at, like, kind of the experience of Oklahoma. The only thing I can think about is if I had an opportunity to play wiffle ball in Yankee Stadium, that would be unbelievable. And as crazy as that sounds, it's it doesn't feel that too far away or that unrealistic like it used to maybe years prior. Yeah, I think for that to happen, it would be more of a licensing thing with MLB, and that's a whole nother, um you know, road that's been crossed and, you know, that was 22 years ago. So things change, changed a lot. Um, yes. And it's certainly possible. Um, just getting back to the, the pop-up series. What if like, you know, I'm on the Mallards and I'm on vacation the week. My team's supposed to have a pop-up series in, you know, uh, the Toledo Mudhen Stadium. Does somebody fill in for me? How does that work? Um, So each roster is like five deep. So, you know, like, if you didn't want to play in the Toledo Mudhead Stadium for whatever reason, they would just go to your fourth or fifth guy on the roster. Like how each many, team has three guys. Only three. And do only three play, or do you have the option of having five on on the you know in the lineup? Yeah, you could bat five. You can only have three in the field, but yeah, you could bat five. You could bat four, however much you want. Okay, so every team kind of is able to field, and I guess they probably get the schedule out in advance. The so teams yeah. kind of know like, hey, listen, I'm not available that weekend. And is the demographic um, for MLW much younger than, say, like a Golden Stick or um, what we're used to up in the Northeast? I would say so. I mean, like uh, probably 85% of the league's college, you know, college kids. I'd say like all the, the Gators minus Zerlag are all guys that just recently graduated from college. So, like, it, it's kind of spread out, but the majority of kids are like college age, I'd say. Right. So they have more flexibility with their schedules. Yeah. Um, and they work with teams very well. Like you said, like if guys had problems coming up since they put the schedule out so early, that gives them time to, you know, fix that or, you know, accommodate as many people as they can, which they do a great job of that. And when they do the pop-up series, do they also have youth events um, at that place as well? Yeah. So in Oklahoma, they had a kids clinic um, where it showed kids different pitches. They had like a knockout game where – uh, all the kids that were part of the clinic had opportunity to throw a strike. If you keep throwing strikes, you're in there and then you whittle it down until there's one person remaining and a home run derby as well. So like the kids had a blast. There's a ton of stuff for them to do. Um, they're, they're so knowledgeable though about the league and like player stats and what goes on. Like it's one thing to just be a fan. Like if, you know, the, you're there and MLW's there, of course the kid's going to be like, I'm your biggest fan. But when they're coming up with your numbers and your record and like what they think you'll do in the playoffs, who to look out for, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome to, to see people that are knowledgeable. They're not just like the blind fans, you know, that, uh, are just trying to get some clout or whatever. Right. And as we've learned here in the Northeast, um, through the, the minor development through fans and through youths, um, is that that's the future of the game, right? These kids are essentially the ones that are going to be, you know, replacing me as you're kind of, 
being the grandfather of of the sport, you know, 10 years down the road. Yeah, that you know, like we wiffle ball is not a game you could play at a fast pitch level, you know, or at a high level for that that many years. So yeah, like you go, you definitely want to see some people that uh are there to to take the torch and run with it. So it's promising to see the next generation uh, excited to play the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering what the you know retention rate will be, um, and I think that the biggest thing that they're doing is kind of continuing it. Whereas Golden Stick, when we ha- kind of had some things that developed some guys like Dan Haverty, there's a famous picture of him at like a youth clinic. Um, but it was kind of like a, a one-time thing as opposed to what MLW is, is kind of really um, d- developing and keeping those kids interested. I mean, Ethan Wine are also somebody who came to the tournaments to take photos and his mom used to drive them around. Like, it seems as though like we've had a couple, but they're, that's like they're doing dozens, right? Yeah, it's every week. There's always kids that are, are driving from who knows where just to see the series, or like I said, like anywhere. If they they notice any MLW guys, they, they always uh, reach out and stuff. And you know, like it's it's bizarre, it's crazy. Like um, I always thought that a situation like this, where you're getting noticed for playing wiffle ball, would be like a pipe dream or something that would happen decades from now if the game blew up. But it's happening right now, and I'm a part of it. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's definitely not normal, but it's awesome. Like appreciative of everyone that uh, ever says like, "Yo, you play for the MLW, the Mallards." Like it's it's it never gets old. It's awesome. So just to recap, you had the pop up series in um, Oklahoma this yep. last week, and then the week before that, you had the All Star game in Michigan. Correct? Yeah, a lot of traveling. A lot of traveling, a lot of miles. Um, unfortunately, not a lot of results you can share. But please tell us how we can hear about the results. Um, where and when? Yeah, so I want to say the way MLW works, um, they play a game, and then two weeks after, that series comes out. So Friday should be the All-Star Game video that comes out, and, and the All-Star Game is wild. Like, it, it's going to – while I was playing it, I just kept saying, this this feels rigged. Obviously, it's not – I was in the middle of it myself, but if I wasn't, I would have 100% said that that game was rigged. Like, just wild finish, wild game throughout, a lot of scoring. Um, so I'd say that's definitely going to be a great video to see, great content. Um, and then uh, after that, we had the Oklahoma series, which playing at Shangri-La Resort on Grand Lake. Um, $2,500,000 wiffle ball field, quarter million dollar wiffle ball field, Fenway replica. The turf was amazing. I, I slid into second base on a play and my leg didn't get sliced up like I slid on a cheese grater, which was, I was so happy about that. Um, my goal is not to slide this entire series because turf. You know, you get ripped up, but uh, slid didn't get sliced up. So I'm thankful for the turf there. World class turf. And um, it, there is a decent amount of people. I think we had like 150 people uh, day one and then 200 people day two because we played two games day two. And like field was incredible. It was extremely hot, but it was incredible, incredible experience. Um, I'm definitely happy that I went. I um, I was upset I didn't get to play in NWLA because it was the same weekend, but to get the experience of this Oklahoma series, like truly once in a lifetime. And I'm glad I didn't pass this opportunity up. It was difficult to not, you know, play with my boys in NWLA, but this was awesome. It was a great experience. And before we get to NWLA, just two follow-up questions. Number one, um, did your girlfriend do all the driving as expected? No, not, not yet. No, definitely not. Uh, I drew it up that way, but about one hour in, uh, she tapped out. So I was like, ah, you know, I specialize in driving long distances anyways, what I've done forever. So I drove to Cleveland, 
which is, I want to say, six hours, and then the next day from Cleveland to Brighton. Um, and then when we left the All-Star game, we drove straight back to New York. She drove, I want to say, two hours, and then I drove the other six uh, to get back to New York. That's good to hear. That's assuring, because I shared with my fiance um, how you had <laughs> said that you were going to let her do all the driving, and she's like, I'm yeah. not sure I could approve of you doing this podcast anymore. Um <laughs> But and then the second question is, you know, you're now uh, you played MLW now four or five times this season. Yeah. What is your comfort level now with the style of the game? So one thing that I like I, I'll continuously bring up probably until this is changes the wiffle ball that you pitch with. You have no idea what it's going to do until Kyle gives it to you that day. Like, granted, you can scuff a cement ball the same way five times. Each ball is going to have slight variations and move slightly different. So it's a little difficult to, like, genuinely not know what stuff you're going to have until it's game day and you're on the mound. But um, I'm kind of learning to adapt to it and, and just figure out a couple pitches that I know will work, uh, regardless of how good or bad the ball is, like rise or drop. Uh, if I got a really good ball, I could kind of maybe get a screwball in there. I'm still, you know, I'm never going to stop trying to learn new pitches. Um Need to expand the arsenal, definitely. But um, another thing that I wasn't the biggest, the biggest fan of base running coming in, especially because all I ever played was NWLA, which is pitcher's poison. MLW rules make so much sense being that it's true to baseball. If you feel the ball, you got to throw it to a first baseman to get an out. Um, if you want to get a force out, you, you got to run to the bag, step on it. Like normal baseball rules. Pitcher's poison, the way that NWA is played, after playing MLW, it just genuinely makes no sense. There's so many situations that arise that create so many arguments that, uh, justifiably so, like whether someone crossed that halfway hash mark on the base path. That's such a hard call to make when someone's running full speed. You got the ball going to the pitcher. I mean, no one can look at someone rounding third going to home while simultaneously looking at if the pitcher catches the ball in the pitcher circle to make an accurate call. So you can't even really blame the umpires. It's just there's so many difficult calls that arise from pitcher's poison that it's impossible to get it right all the time. And on top of that, in pitcher's poison, if you hit a line drive ball to the wall and you got the deep the outfielder there playing two feet from the fence like he should, He's going to pick it up, throw it five feet, to, five feet to the pitcher's mound, and probably 80% of the time you're going to be out. There's so many situations where guys get a good piece of the ball, which should be a hit, but it's pitcher's poison. Fielder fields it, makes a two-foot throw to the pitcher's mound, and you're out. Um, I just feel like it plays truer to baseball if you have that. You need to get an out by throwing it to first base. If you just do away with pitcher's poison. Like, running bases is not bad. You just need to do it the right way. And it's difficult to do because, you know, it's wiffle ball. Wiffle ball is not baseball. But in my experience of playing both, I'll say the MLW base running rules are awesome. Like, it creates so many intense plays and just so many sick situations um, and less arguments. Like, you know someone who's safer out. Um, all the series that I've had, there has not been one, like, play where I felt like I've gotten genuinely screwed over on where that, you know, not the case of other places. Well, <clears throat> That uh, that's it's a good way to segue into NWLA, but I'm glad that you are acclimating. Um, I definitely can relate to those, um, you know, rule preferences. There's just the one last thing on the MLW with the ball. It's just amazing that the product of the game is so important, and I think that with kniving the ball, because I, I'm I'm part of a an old generation that like kniving, scoring the ball, kniving the ball, whatever it is, it wasn't always a thing, and then all of a sudden when that happened. 
it kind of, you know, some people say that it made pitchers too robotic, but um, if my, my brand and my sport, uh, my brand of the sport was going to be these small series and, and it's going to be packaged uh, through, you know, media and videos and, and fans. Um, I'd want the product to be consistent. And when you have a ball that's inconsistent, it's kind of hard to do that. So it's just interesting that uh, on a le- in a league that's all about branding and um, that they would be so inconsistent with the pitching and the product of the pitching. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to have you bash MLW on that one. No, not, it seems like there's yeah, a simple solution to the, um, you know, and perhaps they, they like the unknown aspect. But, like, you know, if I'm, I'm, I'm flying a guy from New York to Michigan for a three-game series, I, I want him to be comfortable throwing the ball, and I want him to be able to, to showcase um, his best stuff. But that's just my two cents. You shared yours on an NWLA. I gave mine on ML, MLW. <laughs> But yeah. congratulations to Circle City Wiffle. Um, NWA is a big national event. I've not been fortunate enough to be a part of it. It's kind of the grassroots, and I'm actually in Ocean City, Maryland, where I vacationed for the last 33 years. Um, and my original wiffle ball team derived from here, from playing wiffle ball um, on kind of this uh, fenced-in beach area. Um, and our first team name was the Golden Sanders. We stayed at the Golden Sands. We ran the bases. Um you know, you didn't throw it to the pitcher's mound for an out. You threw it to the base or you pegged the guy. So I guess it was pretty similar. Um, we did have a lot of guys on the field, though. Um, but, you know, that's how kind of everybody starts. But and, and, and NWA also has that. But congratulations once again to Circle City Wiffle, um, our closest allies um, or rivals, the uh, MAW team, uh, team. I think they were called the Scumlords this year, lost in, I believe, the semifinals. Isn't that correct? Yeah, they lost to Skibby twice. Like, they lost them Saturday in maybe the quarterfinals, and they got eliminated by them in the semis. So that's now their fourth trip, I believe? Yeah, fourth trip. And, they, you know, I, I listened um, intent, very intently with uh, Connor's podcast that he did last week, and uh, I think Red was with him as well, and they talked about kind of like win or bust. Um, what do you think has been the, the downfall of the – MAW, whether it's the, the mob, um, I think they were formerly known as, or the scum lords, and their inability to bring home the championship. Um, that style's difficult, and we only play that style that weekend of the year, you know? So a lot of these leagues, that's all they know, that's all they play. Um, for us, like, we genuinely play that one time a year. So when you go from swinging a big barrel bat to a yellow bat, it's difficult. And then on top of that, like I was saying earlier, you, we could rope balls off the wall. But if there's an outfielder that picks it up off the fence and throws it to the pitcher's mound, that's a guaranteed out. Like, swinging bunts are way more valuable in that style than roping a line drive or hitting a ball off the wall. Like, a swinging bunt, you force the pitcher to run, try and pick it up, make a play, turn around, and make a proper throw, which that that's very difficult to do. Like, uh, it just plays extremely differently to the style that we're accustomed to, I would say, in WLA. But, um, I mean, we've, we've made deep runs every year. Yeah. Yeah, so it seems as though that's a very well-run tournament. I think they have everything really uh, tightly um, wound in terms of setup, um, the way that they, they stream a lot of the stuff. Um, but it just seems as though the rules are a little bit, um, I, I don't want to say wacky, but it's just not something that, you know, we are accustomed to. So I, I guess that's probably their biggest challenge. What do you think yeah. the best um, of all the guys, you know, past, present, uh, young, old, what kind of player that has not played on WLA would be great additions to 
you know, a Northeast scum lord type of team to go try to take that back? Like, who is yeah, this, this, that, that may be, um, you know, a great asset? Yeah, this is a no doubter. And this is someone I've been trying to get on the squad, but Johnny Whiffs. Johnny Whiffs murders unscuffed sliders. He would throw the unscuffed slider a thousand miles an hour, and he's athletic. He's fast. You could use him in the field. He'd be a good arm, a good bat, and a good defender. Like, like, uh, I feel like he he's the X factor that we need. He would truly help us out a ton. Um, he just, you know, Johnny Wicks is a busy guy, so he hasn't been able to get out there with us. But I would say if there's one guy that would absolutely do very well there, it would without a doubt be Johnny Wicks. Yeah, what's up with that, Johnny? Johnny, you got to help these guys out. Um, yeah. I've heard that. I think, uh, I don't know if Connor Red mentioned him, too. But I've seen him at Goldstick events using just the yellow bat. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just kind of an extension of his arm. And, yeah, he is a freak athlete. Um, so he would be really good in that format. I would agree with that, with that yeah. as well. Um, on the horizon. Up, I'm sorry. Yeah, Jordan. No, nah, so I was just saying he would put up numbers there, Johnny Wish. For sure. Um, on the horizon, we have the Staten Island Law event. Uh, I believe it's called the Summer Bash. Um, that is July 30th, Staten Island Little League. Um, registration, I believe, is already open for that, um, which will be the last um, event for MAW before United Wiffle registration opens, and that opens on August 1st. And I know I've seen teams establishing themselves for United Wiffle Nationals, um, which once again, is October 14th and 16th, People's Bank Park, York, Pennsylvania. And the kind of sole f- purpose of Jordan's wiffle ball um, in the summer of Jordan is to get to that tournament, which is, you know, the probably the biggest fast-pitch championship in the sport. Um, Jordan, have you, has your team established? Have they announced yet? What's going on with, um, I'm assuming, the Phenoms for 2022 United Wiffle? Yeah, so we established our team and during... MAW opening day. We had Meats, Host, and Dinley play together. Um, we're going to be the Phenoms again. Team's going to be Josh Pagano, myself, uh, David Toastwood, and Vinley, uh going as a four this year. Very good. Very good. Um, that, did, we, did you have somebody extra last year? Yeah, last year we had Gino Joseph. Uh, he threw well for us, but he, I mean, justifiably so, he wanted to have a little bit more um, a little bit like more participation on, on whatever team that he was on. So we would love to have Gino, but you know, I can't knock the guy for that saying he, he wants to play more. Like I respect it. And he's a very good player. He, he's going to help some team out a lot. I think he's going to play with the Stompers and Bryce Clark and he's having a good year this year. So Gino is going to be ready. He's a good player and he's going to have a good tournament come you with. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of like that and admire that about a guy like Gino who's like, you know what? I don't want to be the, the fifth guy. I want to be the guy who you know, has the ball to beat your team because I think yeah. I'm good enough to do that. Um, Absolutely. So that's the best of luck to um, Gino. And, and the Stompers have been on fire uh, with Bryce Clark. Hopefully they'll be at the Staten Island event. Will you be at the Staten Island event? Absolutely. It's the first time playing in New York all year. Oh, I can't wait to not drive three hours and be right there in Staten Island. Um, and it uh, should be a great event. Last year was awesome. I'm glad I'll get to be playing with my team this year in this event. Well, last year you had the unfortunate um, circumstance of playing with myself, but um, that, that, that went pretty well. I mean, you know, losing, in, I think it was extra innings. Um, but I just would let you know that the United. Uh, yeah, Wiffle I'll say 20, it went pretty well. The United Wiffle 2020 champions will be establishing themselves at that tournament. Um, that would be my usual suspects. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to announce our roster for that event. Uh, the core three, um, 
DOGs of the usual suspect, myself, Ryan Wood, and Scott Alford will be there to establish our team. We have added a fourth player for the event. Um, you're familiar with him, one Josh Pagano. Oh, yeah, he told me that. Uh, yeah, he was thinking yeah. about that. That's awesome. Ooh, yeah. Pagano and Wood in the same team. Look at that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm sure it's happened at, like, one bullshit thing, but I don't think it's ever happened, like, in a real tournament. Um, yeah. Those guys are, are, you know, friend friendly rivals. Um, yes, yes. Kind of pillars of the game for the past um, almost 20 years. So that'll be fun. Um, and we'll spend more time next week talking and previewing that tournament um, because that is a big event. Again, Jordan's making his home coming um, to the Empire State, first event of the year in New York, and one of the biggest mall events of the year, um, especially for me because it's only a couple blocks from my house in my childhood field. Um, so we'll talk more about that next week. What else is on the horizon for you, Jordan? Um, this is the second week of the summer where I do not have any wiffle ball stuff. So um, went tubing with the girlfriend yesterday. Probably going to do something this weekend and just enjoy not traveling. It, it's It's been a lot lately, like traveling to Brighton, traveling to Oklahoma. But I, I love it. I enjoy it. But I will definitely sit back and relish in this day, uh, this weekend off, get some grad work done. And uh, enjoy your summer. All right. Love to hear that. Um, you know, Texas Tim kind of stole my thunder with the Food Man podcast on the, the hot seat. So we will continue it, though. And your hot seat minute begins now. Favorite, um, as I'm looking at a soda machine, favorite soda? <laughs> Mountain Dew Baja Blast, without a doubt, it's the best soda ever made. Wow, interesting. If you're at a vending machine with a whole bunch of chips and candies, what are you getting? Only a dollar. Um, I'm going to get some fruit snacks, hopefully berries and cherries. If not, probably get a Milky Way. A Milky Way. Do you freeze your Milky Way? Do you chill it? What do you do? Is it or hot? Um, or I usually, I, I'm, I can't, you know, put my Milky Way in a refrigerator and wait to eat it. I grab it and I eat it. So if it's not chilled or frozen already, it's immediately going to be getting ran sure. through. Uh, okay. Can't wait. And as our, I finish recording this podcast in the, uh, the, the basement parking lot here as I'm walking to the beach, I'm looking at a whole bunch of cars. If you had $100,000 and you had to spend that 100 on a car, what are you buying? I'm buying that Tesla, that auto drive, so I could be knocked out while I'm driving to my destination without a care in the world. So I don't know That's what model it is, but whatever one drives automatically, I'm getting that one. That's fantastic, um, especially with the amount of traveling you do. Um, as they go to the beach, next question, are you a beach, pool, lake? What, what type of uh, body water do you prefer in the summer? I would say I'm a pool guy. I love the water. I love being in the water. Uh, but I'd say definitely a pool guy. Um, the, we were at a great, the Shangri-La Resort had a pool in the hot tub and it was outstanding after the games, diving in the pool, going in the hot tub. Like nothing better than that. Excellent. And there's an ice cream shop upstairs as I see the sign for it. What are you getting at the ice cream shop? I'm getting vanilla chocolate twist soft, soft serve large, uh, in a cup. You know, but it's better than uh, Kinkle One Flavor. That's correct. I usually go Rocky Road and Mint Chocolate Chip. A little chocolate, a little mint, a uh, little marshmallow in the middle there. Um, that's my play there. there Spice it up. And um, we're going to cut the fastest minute in wiffle ball short today um, because, once again, the beach is calling. Um, Jordan, once again, thank you for yep. being a part of this. And uh, thank you all listeners. Once again, I love the feedback. I've gotten a few guys in the emails popping up at tournaments um and you know it's great to hear uh some feedback and once again you can find us on the national Wiffle podcast or the holy 